Corinthians chapter number 9. <laughs> As you look at those today's references, you'll see it's quite a list. And uh, yes, we're going to skip through them all. We're going to do it rather quickly. We've been talking about the grace reset and uh, resetting our thinking about uh, some, some different areas of doctrine. And just and again, we're, we're not going down. Di, di, we're going to be talking about giving and money. So this lesson this week and next week's lesson are going to be about giving. And we'll be a little more deeper than what we have in the other ones. Because when you talk about money, everybody gets itchy. And half the room leaves. And really when you do that, you, don't, you shouldn't be that way, quite honestly. When you understand from Scripture what he's talking about. And so we're going to just be looking at that. 2 Corinthians 9 here. Uh, last week we had an anniversary of the church being here in this building for 12 years. And we were talking about that, and I was giving a history and so forth, and because not a lot of folks know how it all started for us and how we ended up here. And, and I said that if as we grow, <laughs> every seven or eight years we were moving because we were filling it up, you know, filling the building up. And again, we filled the building up, and it's a great thing. And the, what allows us to do that and what allows this work of ministry to strive and to do, and by the way, we don't have a $7 million a year budget, okay? Just FYI, okay? Uh, all right, I'm just saying, so let's park that over there, okay? Don't think that at all. But just rather, what allows us to do and to, and to do work of the ministry is giving. And we've had families over the years come and say, hey, let's help. How can we help you? And uh, we, they, they have and they do. And that ability to pass this work of ministry on to the next generation. It comes from a fundamentally, not only of just the sound doctrine, but this issue of giving. I, I talked to a, a, a pastor, uh, he's with the Lord now, and uh, I asked him, I said, if you could go back and teach one lesson for the first time to your local assembly, and he, started, he was the founding pastor like I am and so forth, what would you teach on? And he said, money. And giving because it's it's what it's how we demonstrate our devotion our gratitude our value for life in Christ that's how we do that okay how, what does it mean so in so I, I thought that was a wow okay so I'm like well that's a little too late for my group now because we've been going but it was interesting to hear here's an older gentleman he's ready he, he's he told me my time's at hand I'm ready to be offered I know I'm going but and I said so you know young preacher to older preacher you know talk to me here and we had a great week actually of conversations about different items and different things and I thought it was interesting when he, he said that about the giving second Corinthians 9 if you just read verse 6 but this I say he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now, in the context, the every good work is giving. All right, is verse 7. But what I, what, what I want you to look at here is the, and, and by the way, for you and I today in the age of grace, as members of the church, the body of Christ, under, you know, dispensationally, where we sit, verse 7 is our giving verse. Okay? 
verse 7 is where you need to live when it comes to the issues of giving. Now, Paul's going to talk, we'll talk here in a little bit, Lord willing, and the clock doesn't go too fast, and I can go faster than the clock. <laughs> we'll talk about, Paul tells you and I, why do you even go to work? Why make money? And he gives us three areas to think about when we do that. But giving is a vital part of your Christian life. Because what it demonstrates is it demonstrates spiritual maturity. I'll be honest with you, okay? That's what it demonstrates. It demonstrates your heart about the things of the Lord. What's important to you? What, what do you consider to be something that needs to be here for, for, you know, for generations to come? I say it every year in the beginning of the year when we have our State of the Assembly address, the issue of giving nobody's beating the doors down to give us a, 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 a penny, okay? People beat doors down to give to everybody else, so who's got to take care of us? We do. And there needs to be an understanding of that. So when we're looking at giving here, we're going to start by looking at motivation. Then we're going to look at where I'm to give. Then we're going to talk about how much, because that's what everybody wants to know. How much should I be giving God? Well, guess what? It isn't the tithe. It isn't the ten. It isn't the ten, and it isn't the three and a half every five years. Israel, literally, Israel's giving, tithing system was almost to 30% of their, and they tithed on the gross and the net. So, and we'll look at that when we talk about the amount. But the issue here, and so that's going to take us this week and next week. My goal is to get this in two weeks, so if we got Father's Day, we can, we'll do something else. So the issue of the motivation, that's really the heart of this. The motivation behind your giving is very critical to, your, the, to think about this as a believer, as a member of the church, as a member of Southwest Bible, as, as you sit here. Now, under the law is a little different. Come back with me to Leviticus 27. And again, we're going to do this quickly because I, I, my goal isn't to teach Israel's tithing system to you. That does you no benefit to other than to understand that. And, and it's a good thing to understand. Don't get me wrong. We, the, the, uh, Romans 15, 8, the things written before time are written for our learning. And we, we gather great benefit from it. But just notice Leviticus 27 and verse 30. And again, Moses is talking to the nation of Israel. He's been getting the, 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 the law He's got the Ten Commandments. Now he's getting the details. And literally what happens in the book of Numbers and Leviticus is, is Paul, is, is Paul, is Moses, <laughs> Paul's not there, okay, is Moses, he gets the case law, the case study. So we've got the Ten Commandments. They represent the ten major areas of morality and ceremonial and the law for Israel. And then the 630-something other ones come in, and this is the case. If it's this, then it's this. Mark, and, and the other night, uh, Wednesday night, we are talking to Mark 14. And I, 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 you look at the issue of Passover. The Lord's going to eat Passover with the disciples, but he eats Passover before Passover on the calendar. And everybody pitches a fit. How can that be? Well, in Numbers, it says it's okay not to eat. It's okay to eat the Passover in the second month. And in other things, when the situation comes up. So when you come in, that's case study. That's case law. Moses has given them that. Verse 30. And all of the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at 
all, see that, will at all, redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, even of whatsoever passes under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. So how much is Israel? There's a tenth and a fifth part. See, you got all of these little intricate little details in here that when Israel was commanded to do the tithing offering system, they had a free will offering which was above the tithe. The tithe is a demand. The tithe is the law. You're doing this. Now watch verse 34. These are the commandments which the Lord God commanded Moses for the children of Israel in what? In Mount Sinai. See, they have to do this. There's no wiggle room. There's no, oh, great, be a cheerful giver. Man, you know. No, you're doing this. So they have a giving system set up, but the motivation, now come over to Deuteronomy 31. What I want you to catch now, so they've got a system of giving. It's called a tithe and offerings. They're going to give a tenth. By the way, the tenth of the gross was going to the Levites for the running in the, in the, uh, of the nation, for the running of the, the national government. So there's a, the income tax. Then they were going to go 10% on the net. That goes in the bank account because three times a year the, Jew, the men have to go to Jerusalem. So the second tenth tax or tithe, I should say, wasn't a tax, that was, a, that was to go on vacation. Now, if I said giving was for you to go on vacation, everybody would, I mean, the coffers would be full. Here, here is right. But see, so, but then they had another part they did every three, three and a half years, and that was to take care of the poor and the strangers. So literally, it's like 23-something, 25%, okay? Me and math, we're like opposite ends. So that they have a system. Now, watch the motivation, Deuteronomy 31, verse 9. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of the Levi, and bare the ark of the covenant of the Lord and unto all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the feast of the tabernacles, when all Israel is come to appear before the Lord. See, all Israel's come to prepare, appear before the Lord. I lost my place. Before the Lord thy God, in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. The motivation behind the law was fear. Exodus 19, if you do, I will bless you. If you don't, I will nail you. You're in Deuteronomy, come over to chapter 15. Chapter 15, or back to 15. <clears throat> Actually, make it uh, 18. Nope. Don't make it 18. It doesn't matter. Fear. The blessings, the cursings. That's called a thought of a remoter text that wasn't there. <laughs> okay? The that's there. Come over to Malachi 3. I, I tell myself to stay on track. Malachi chapter 3. You see, fear, in order for them to get the blessings, all right, their motivation was to obey the commandments of the Lord. If they don't obey the commandments, they're going to get the curses. 
Anytime you ever read in Israel's history of famine in the land, famine in the bearing of children, famine here, famine there, it's because they're not obeying God's word. Now, look at Malachi 3, because this is where every preacher goes to every Sunday to get you to open up your wallet and to reach in there and pull out and do. But notice where we're at, verse 7. Even the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Now, let me ask you something. When he says, your fathers, who's he talking to here? Well, obviously Israel, because look at verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delighted in. And behold, uh, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 4, Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old, as in the former days. I will come, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. So who are we talking to? We're talking to Israel. Verse 1 is John the Baptist and the announcing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here he is in his earthly manner. So in the context, we're not talking about you and I. You see, our motivation isn't a do or else. It's a, man, I've got. So then let me give. It's a a completely different motivation. These guys, notice verse 8. They ask him. Wherein shall we return? Okay, Lord, you want us to return to you. How do we return to you? So he's going to give them an object lesson. Ye have robbed me, but ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse. Well, why are they a curse with a curse? Because they robbed him of what? The tithes and offerings. They disobeyed the law. Even this whole nation. Verse 10, bring ye, the nation, all the tithes into the storehouse, that there might be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You see in the Old Testament, in Israel's program, the tithings were were performed and done under the guise of fear. Because if we don't do this, we will not have a blessing. Verse 10, he says, you go do it, and I'll fill up the storehouse, and I'll cause the field to be so full that as you're harvesting one field, the other field is being planted, and before you can get the harvest into the barns, you're going to have to build more barns, more storehouse, more. By the way, the storehouse in the Old Testament, that's where the Levites are. That's their temple. That's That's a big warehouse out back behind the temple, if you will. And in Israel's program, if the travel was too far to bring the herd, they could go to market, sell it for marketplace, bring the money. See? Why? Because they're taking care of the the Levites, uh, that tribe of Levi that has no claim on the land, and off we go. But see, you and I, we don't operate that way. If I told you to bring the storehouse, bring it in, well, you know, okay, we got to stop by fries and get what we got to get, you know. See, it doesn't, it's not us at all. Now, come over to 2 Corinthians, because I want to talk about us. So that's your Israel object lesson, okay? How do they, what is their motivation? Fear. If you do it, then I'll bless you. If you don't do it, then I won't bless you. And he says, do it, and I'll pour the what out on you? The blessing. 
Don't we have a little verse in Ephesians 1.3 that says that we're already blessed with all spiritual blessings? See, we don't operate in fear. How do we operate today? A, a heart of, of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just, let, let, just think this through a little bit. Verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Were, were you a dead man in your sins? Yes. You're dead in sins and trespasses. Now, watch verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live. So wait a minute. We got some dead people who are now what? Living. Should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Notice, no fear here. No fear, no misunderstanding, no none of that. What do we have here? We have this issue here of, you know what? What do we understand? We understand that I was a sinner, and what do I deserve? I deserve hell. I deserve the lake of fire. I, I deserve damnation. And yet, what did he do? Come over to Ephesians 1. What did he do? He died for me. And when he died for me and I trusted him, then he did something for me. He's doing it. I don't do anything. My faith is faith alone. It's a non-meritorious act. It's just a believing that what he said is what's going to happen. Look at Ephesians 1, verse number 3. Blessed be God, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. What do I have? We didn't do anything to gain this. Who did the blessing here? God the Father did. And he's going to then later, through the rest of the chapter, he's going to deal with how he does it through the Son, the work of the Son, the work of the Holy Spirit. But who's doing the blessing here? Not you doing something, but you rather what? Believing. See, And when you believe, what's he going to do? He's going to bless you with all spiritual blessings. He's going to Colossians 2.10, you upside the head. He's going to make you complete in him who is the prince, who's the head of, over all of it. He, you're complete. You lack nothing. You've got it all. You don't have... So if you go back to the offering box, we don't pass a plate. We have an offering box. By the way, that's, that's just our history. Okay? If when we got started, if I had four guys, we'd have passed a plate around. But we didn't have that, we, so we made a strong box. Okay? It's not, there's no... The form, how it's done, isn't the issue. See? It's what? The motivation. You're in Ephesians. Look over at chapter 2 just real quickly, verse 8 and 9. You see, we, should, we are to live out of a heart of gratitude. We didn't do anything to gain the blessing. He poured it out on us when, we'll go over there, Romans 4, 4 5 did. We just believed him. Look at Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the what? It's a gift of God. Look. When you get a gift, what, did you do anything for that gift? Usually, no. Usually, it's something given to you out of the heart of gratitude and love by those that are giving it. See? By the way, not of works, lest any man should boast. If it was about your... Now, come back to Romans 4. If it was about your work, what would you do? You'd be bragging about it. You'd be saying, hey, Lord, I, I, I witnessed to ten people today, man. I ought to get an extra blessing and the plate of blessing. See, Romans 4. 
Hey, look, Lord, I was over here. I was doing this. I was out winning souls. For, and, and, and you get that pat, that all oh, that religious activity. And you know what the Father says? Hey, dummy, I already gave it to you. What are you doing? You're just fulfilling the lust of your flesh. Now, there's nothing wrong with witnessing to people, I, and, okay? But it's the motivation behind it. Look at Romans 4. Verse 3, for what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckon of grace, but of debt. See, if you, if you work and you put in your, in, try to do, what do you, what do you, what's your reward? <laughs> what's your debt? Failure, condemnation, Romans 8, it's coming. It's not of what? Grace. Now watch verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So you see, come over to 2 Corinthians 8. Christ has freely given us all things. And our obligation is not of fear to lose or to gain, but rather our thought process and our thinking about giving, because that's the topic we're looking at, our thinking about the grace life has to come from a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving, from a place where we're going to turn and we're going to see that our duty is, a, is from a place of gratitude. And there isn't something here that says, I've got to do this to gain the more. That says, I've gotten already in who I am in Christ. Therefore, I want this to continue on, this ministry to continue on. Why? Because we got young kids, we got young people, we got generations. I want a place where my kids can go to and learn this doctrine. See? So what am I going to do? I'm going to do my part of the work of the ministry. Look at 2 Corinthians 8. By the way, in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10, all right, Paul talks about giving. 1 Corinthians 16, he talks about giving. Now, the 1 Corinthians 16 is specific to the poor saints in Jerusalem, Romans 15. But when he talks about giving here in, in chapter 8, he's going to talk about attitude, motivation, Proper thinking about this. Now look at 2 Corinthians 8 and look at verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, well, was he rich? Yeah, he's God. He sits in the throne room with God, the Godhead. Yet for what? Your sakes he became what? Poor. What did he do? He took on the form of a man. He humbled himself. He Philippians 2 did. He came down, come over to Philippians 2. You're looking at me like, Philippians 2 did. What is that? <laughs> okay, Philippians 2, verse 6, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. It, that's pretty poor. Who was he? He's God, and now where is he? He's down here made a little lower than the angels. Well, why did he do that? And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So he became poor so that you could become what? Rich. Now look back up at verse 3. Philippians 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, 
Now let's think about this verse in giving. That's what we're talking about. Our verse in 2 Corinthians 9 says that God loves a what kind of giver? So we won't be doing it in strife and vainglory, will we? No, we'll be doing it cheerfully. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Man, that is the hard attitude right there that we're to have. I'll come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. When you think about all that we have, the riches in Christ, we literally become a debtor to it. We literally begin to have this... By the way, if you're, a de- if you're in debt, you have an obligation, okay? I have debt. It's called a car payment, a truck payment, and a house payment. When I took the loans to do all that, what did I do? I obligated myself to do what? Pay it back. You understand that. So when we talk about this issue about the debtor, we owe a debt here. We're not talking about it in a negative term. We have an obligation to take care of the local assembly, the pastor, the work of the ministry. We have an obligation here. But it doesn't come out of me pounding on you, hey, you better give, you know, or we put up the little signs that we're doing this and that. It isn't. It's to come from that heart of gratitude. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? All right, so what are we going to be talking about? Money. Now, he's talking to the Corinthians, and he's reproving them here because they have an improper thought about it. The church at Corinth was a wealthy church. Corinth was a, in, in the first century, Corinth, that, that, that seacoast through there in Thessalonica, they were very wealthy. Greece and all that, that's the pre, preeminent time for their wealth. The church at Corinth, the believers at Corinth, they weren't, help, they weren't doing their part. So he's going to, rebu- he's going to re- uh, reprove them here. Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and, enter- and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? Here's Deuteronomy 25. No, by the way, notice Paul, for it is written. He doesn't say we're fulfilling it. He just says, this is written. In the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the, the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care of, uh, for ox? Or saith he altogether for our sakes, for our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and, and, and uh, that he that uh, thrusheth in hope should be partakers of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, it is a great thing if we shall, I'm sorry, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? You see, they're not helping Paul in the work of the ministry here. If... Others be partakers of this power over you. Okay, so what's going on at Corinth? Some religious guys have showed up, and they're now exercising power, and you know what they're saying? I'm your preacher. You're paying me. Paul says, I never said that to you. Watch what he does. Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that the thy they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they that which waiteth at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But I have 
used none of these things. Neither have I written these things that it should be done so unto me. See how he clarified? Unto me. He's not saying in the future don't take care of the preacher. He's saying I didn't come into you this way demanding to be financially taken care of. I want your financial care to come from the proper motivation. I want it to come from that heart of gratitude. Verse 16, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. Necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For I do this willing thing. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily, here's his reward. Verily that when I preach the gospel, I make the gospel of Christ, notice, without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Paul says, when I came in there, guys, over in chapter 11, he's going to say, I robbed churches to come and do you service. This is my thinking. This is my heartbeat. You see, you have, there's a, you guys at Corinth, you need to understand, there's a, there's a debt of love you owe here for what I communicated to you. Verse 11, if, you have sown, if, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we should reap your carnal things? Come over to Galatians chapter 6. You see, grace makes us responsible. Grace comes in. In Romans 1, Paul says, well, I'm a debtor to the whole world. And everybody goes, oh, what is he a debtor? Why? He, he has the gospel. He's got my gospel. He's got the information that the world needs. So he owes the world a what? A debt of getting it out there. We do, we do as well. Grace makes us responsible to take care of those who preach the gospel. Grace comes in and says, you need to do that. It comes in and he says, you need to take care of the, the local assembly. Galatians 6.6. 6. Again, talking about money, folks. Paul didn't shy away from it. He says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in, in all good things. Now, I know, I've heard, oh, they said to bring the preacher a vegetable basket. Well, okay, that, I, I would thank you for that. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about the issue of finances, the issue of money. Come over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. By the way, if you're 1 Timothy chapter 5, if you're going to help and take care of those who are preaching and teaching the gospel and the sound doctrine to you, then that means you're in a local assembly. So really, what are you supporting? The work of the local assembly. 1 Timothy 5, verse 17, here it is. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine, for the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox and treadeth out the corn, and, quotes Luke 10, the labor is worthy of his reward. So the issue here, the honorarium, see, and I'll come back to 2 Corinthians 8 because that's where we're at with motivation. My point is, is when Paul begins to talk about the finances and financing the ministry, he says, listen, as a local assembly, as a member of the church, the body of Christ, you ought to understand you have a debt here. You owe, you have a responsibility to keep that pillar in the ground of the truth in its place, going and operating and functioning. But how am I going to do that? What's my attitude? See, it isn't fear that God's going to yank the... He's not going to yank your blessings away from you if you don't give. See, 
But rather, when you do give with that proper motivation, you know what you begin to do? You begin to have a fuller Christian life. You be, because you're going to begin to prioritize. You're going to begin to look at things differently. You're going to begin to have the mind of Christ come in and clean that up. By the way, it won't be me preaching about it and harping on it. Okay? How many of you guys have heard me preach about giving? Just a few of you. See? Why? Because I don't harp on it. Why? Because if the, if, if the doctrine is working in you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to give. So I shouldn't have to. But we're talking grace reset, so let's reset our thinking here. All right? By the way, you do know, I think, that the giving to the charitable organizations is way down now, thanks to the standardized deduction on the IRS form. You know what that tells you? Most people were giving for what? The tax write-off. You better not be giving to the church for a tax write-off. That's improper motivation to give. You give because what? You want to see the work go forward and it to flourish. Okay? All right, let's pray. No, 2 Corinthians 8. Oh, I had some of you, didn't I? Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah, no, you're not going to get off that easy. 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 8. For I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the foreignness of others, now watch, and to prove the sincerity of of your love. That's about giving. If you go back up to verse 2, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed. See the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia? You see, there's a component of grace that was bestowed on Macedonia, and Paul wants it on Corinth. And what it is, verse 2, how that in a great trial of affection, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Giving. Here's a group at Macedonia. They're in deep poverty. And what are they doing? They're taking up a collection, an offering, to give to Paul to further the ministry of Paul's ministry. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Look at that. Here they are. You know what they're doing? When he says they're praying us with much entreaty, they're begging Paul to take the collection, to take the envelope. They're, Paul's looking at them going, you guys are in deep poverty. You got, you got less than two nickels to rub together here. What do you mean you're giving me? They, you know what they said? We got it covered. The light bills are paid. We need you to have that so you can go forward. Because that's going to be Paul's rule. But watch verse 5. And this they did not, as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And what Paul looks at the Corinthians and says there at the end of verse 8, you want to prove the sincerity of your love, guys? have the same attitude as that little church in Macedonia who happens to be the church at Philippi and the Philippians. We'll get over there here in just a second. On your chapter 9, chapter 9, verse 7. How, what is, should be our motivation, our attitude in proving the sincerity of your love? Folks, do you love the, do you love the church? Well, yeah. Do you love the doctor? Yeah. Then let's prove that out. Let's work that out for you. So how? what's my attitude going to be? What's my motivation? I'm blessed with all. He died for all, and I should go live for him. So I'm going to move that component here in my thinking. 
2 Corinthians 9, 7, what does he say? Every man according as he what? Purposed. You know what that purpose is? I sat down. we got a family budget. I'm sitting here. I'm working through it. And you know what? Before the budget comes in, we're giving this to the local assembly or to Rick or whatever. We're doing this to the local assembly. This will take care of that. That's what we're giving. I purposed it in my heart. That's what we're doing. Not, I'm sorry, so let him give. What, where's your heartbeat? I think about that purpose. You know, God wants your heart. That's what he's after. Because if he gets your heart, he'll get your wallet. See, they want to get your wallet so they can get your heart. No, he gets your heart. You know what you're going to do? You're going to say, you know what? I need to, we need to be giving. We need to stop in time. We need to revalue, reorient. Boom. And that's what we're going to do. So let him give, not grudgingly. I love that. Not against your will. I'm not begging for your money. I, okay? I'm just not. The offering box is back there. You know our routine. You give as you purposed. Why? As they gave themselves to the Lord and unto us. See? Not grudgingly, no, not of necessity. <laughs> I love that. Or of necessity. To try and gain something more with God. You got it all. What more do you gain? Now you just gain the life of Christ living in the moment. And that the grace of God would be bestowed on you in that moment. But God loveth a cheerful giver. The Greek there, I don't you guys know me in Greek. We've got like two minutes here, two seconds of it. They say it's hilarious. Okay? It's actually far deeper than that. It actually carries the connotation of what we call the happy hour. Now, I know what you just went to, the sports bar, happy hour. It's not that kind of a happy hour. It is a, it is a happy, it is a hilarious event. And you know what it goes on? For an hour. See? What, what do you do when you go in for the happy hour? You go in to have a good time and a, and a fun time and a relax. And that's the issue in giving. Giving should be a hilarious, happy, cheerful moment in time, but it's to go for however long you need it to, so we're going to take up another offering. And, you know, that's the idea here. Not out of necessity. Not out of grudgingly. So grace, so grace giving, the motivation is, look, we owe a debt of love, of duty, of responsibility. Because of what of God's grace has given us, what has it done? It's made us complete. It's, well, look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. You've got it all. You lack nothing. So what should I not say? Thank you, Lord. And I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to prove the sincerity of my love. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it in giving because that's a... By the way, when you give, you sacrifice. Okay? I'm getting a little ahead of myself for next week. But you sac you know what you sacrifice? Another Starbucks. Think about what you spend your money on. You begin to sacrifice HBO. <gasps> oh, my goodness. You begin to sacrifice... That's what give this is where it costs for, for most believers. Because 
we don't live in a land of sacrifice. I'm sorry. Okay? But man, when you start giving, what do you start doing? You start reprioritizing everything. And dads, it starts with you. It's your job in the family. We'll talk about dads in a couple weeks, okay? It's your job. Moms, wives, you come up alongside husband, dad, and you support that. Food and raiment, be content. Well, I just need four cars and eight motorcycles and because I'm the motorcycle guy, right? Well, I know Trevor. Trevor and I have a kind of a con- connection there, and he doesn't really realize that yet. But, you know, I need this and that. And No, you don't need it. You what? You lust after it. So instead of eight, I just like one back. Can I have one? Can I get a vote of the group that I can? So then, okay, see, no, I get voted down every time, right? But the thing, see, you've got everything. Let's prove the sincerity of our love. This brings us then to the where do I give? Where should my giving go? Okay. Well, you're in 2 Corinthians. Come over to Philippians chapter 1. You go back to Malachi 3, and where were they to bring the, their, their, the, the tithes and offerings? Into the what? Into the storehouse. Okay. Where, where, where then should I, where, where, where should my giving go? If we're going to prove the sincerity of our love, where should it be aimed at and where should it happen? Well, look at Philippians 1. Obviously, uh, I, I know you, you got Galatians 6 there and 1 Corinthians 9. We've kind of already looked at those verses. Uh, Galatians 6, 6, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. So where would my, where would my giving go? Where I'm being taught in the what? In the word. So where am I going to do? I'm going to give... Where what? Where the sound doctrine is being taught. Where am I being fed? If I'm being fed, that's where I'm going to give. Listen, folks, you think nothing of paying the bill at the restaurant and leaving the waiter or waitress a 25% tip. You think nothing of that. And yet when it comes to giving to the local assembly, you hold on to it with a tight-fisted grip. That's improper thinking. That's the thinking you need to to reevaluate and to adjust. See, look at Philippians 1. Look at verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel under the first day until now. You see that fellowship in the gospel? He's talking about giving. And what did that church at Philippi? You remember Acts 16, the Philippian jailer? This is the church of Macedonia mentioned in 2 Corinthians 8. What did they do? They heard the gospel... They get saved. They come into some edification. We're in Philippians. We're on the upper level doctrinally here. And he, they say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give. We're supporting Paul. Come over to chapter 4. You know why we're supporting Paul? Because Paul's where the message is. Paul's the one getting the message out. Now they got a little church at, at Philippi. And guess what they're doing? They're supporting there. And they're supporting Paul. By the way, Paul's not a missionary. He's an apostle. See? So they're going. Look at, look at Philippians 4. Look at verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel. Okay, now that's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's Paul's my gospel, Acts chapter number 9. What did they do? When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. What are we talking about here? We're not talking about a basket full of veggies and a half a cow in the freezer. We're talking about money. Because money is where we value things. That's how we value things. 
What are they doing? He's leaving Macedonia. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. What are they doing? He's out traveling, doing the work of the ministry, and they're feeding him. They're supporting him. So clearly, you need to, you need to put your, your, your money, your funds, where the sound doctrine is getting out, the local church. See? But you also need to give where you're going to get back eternally. Now, when you put money in the offering box, we have a no-refund policy. Okay? But eternally, what do I get? Keep reading. Verse 17, not because I desire a gift. See that? See Paul's attitude? I wasn't out here charging you guys. See? But I desired what? Fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, and he's the pastor there at Ephesus, at Philippi, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Why is it a sacrifice? They're poor people. They're destitute. They're in deep poverty, and they're shipping money to Paul. Because why? He's the apostle, and he needs it, and we're going. And then Epaphroditus goes, and he supplies his lack. And, and Paul's like, dude, I'm good. And he's like, nope, I went by McDonald's. We're eating Big Macs, baby. And he sits it down there, and he's doing all this. Why? Because they value the message. See? Fruit to your account. That's eternal. So you're going to give where you're being fed. You're going to give where that eternal benefit is going to come from. If you go back there to 2 Galatians 6 on your way back, almost done. And you look there at chapter 6 of Galatians. We've been reading verse 6. And then you turn your page and compare that with 2 Corinthians 9. If you look there at Galatians 6 and verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, of the flesh reap corruption. When you leave this world, what are you taking with you? Nothing. Well, you take, yeah, you take nothing. The lost. Guy said one time, bury me in a U-Haul so they think I got it all with me. That's a big hole to dig for a U-Haul. You don't take any of that. Naked you came in, naked you're leaving. By the way, if you're a believer and, you, and you're absent from the body and present with the Lord, what are you taking with you? Everything. Spiritual blessings, all of that, who you are in Christ, all that goes with you. See? We just lay your body in the, in the dirt. You're going to reap what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, what are you going to reap? Corruption. But if I sow to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap what? Life everlasting. If I'm giving with the proper understanding and a proper thought process of, hey, this is where the message is in this locale, and I want this to stay here, and I want this to be here, if the Lord tarries for generations forward, then you know what? I'm going to reprioritize, rethink my life and what I'm doing. I'm going to have to make some sacrifices, and I'm going to begin to sow in so that when I reap over here in eternity... I'll reap that over here. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 is what it's talking about. But I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. 
And I know what happens. You go back there to 1 Corinthians 16, and they get in there, and they say, See, that verse says, As God hath prospered him. Well, let me ask you something. How did God prosper you? He died for you. He gave you his life. He gave you eternal life. But you know what he also did? He made man to be what? A genius. To be ingenuity, to, to work and to do. And I, you know people who touch things and they just work and make tons of money? I touch it, it falls apart. And I'm in debt. See? Who did that? God made, you, made man that way. See? You're going to sow, what am I going to do? I'm going to reap the law of the harvest. You sow, you're going to reap more than what you sowed. You know that, little kernel corn produces two ears of corn with thousands of kernels on it. But you also reap later than you sow. Because where is that, where is that reaping going to happen? Life everlasting. See. So what am I going to be doing? I'm going to take my funds. By the way, the last three, you're in 2 Corinthians 9, just stay there. You, you see 1 Timothy 5 and Ephesians 4. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. Paul talks to you about reasons why you make money, why you need money. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, is you need to take care of the, of the needs of your immediate family. If you don't, you're worse than an infidel. You've denied the faith. Okay? If you don't work, you don't eat. That's the Word of God, by the way. That isn't Rick's Word. Folks, for years, we've been at this 25 years next year, for 20 of those 25 so far, I've worked 40 hours a week. Study another 20 just to study. Study another 10 to get ready for you. Have the phone ring at midnight. i got to be up at 4. Wake up, go and help. and deal. Why? I don't do it grudgingly. I do it of what? I do it happily, actually. In the last couple years... The folks, here, the church here, you guys take care of that. I don't have to work. <laughs> but that doesn't mean the work stopped. See, My point is, is you're going to work to do what? Supply the needs of your immediate family. Ephesians 4.28 is the stole, him that stole, let, him that stealeth, let him stole no more, but work with his hands, laboring, that he may do what? Be able to provide for others that need. You can't go help other people. Until you're able to what? Have the financial ability to do that. See. And then the third area is this issue of what we've been talking about, and that's to provide for the work of the ministry here in a local setting. Without the help, the work would be, it could be no longer there, if I can say it that way. There would be no local assembly. To feed you, to feed your, 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 your family, your, your kids, that spiritual food that they need without the, the, the giving. So where should I be given? I ought to be given where I'm being fed the word rightly divided, the sound doctrine. By the way, if you're fed somewhere else, you need to give there. You don't need to be a thief of the other people's time. You don't need to be a thief of my time, honestly. You need to be honest with where you're at. You need to be say, hey, my funds are limited. By the way, they are limited. All it takes is a stroke of the pen of the, of the president, and everything can crash. It just can. 
It's, you know what that's called? It's called life. It isn't a conspiracy. It's called life. It's called circumstance. I need to, my funds are limited. I don't want to waste my funds. I want them to go to the work of the ministry, where the word is getting out. You see, you got to have a, not because I'm going to gain a bigger this or that in heaven, but rather that I can have the life of Christ work out and live out in me and through me into the community that I live in. Folks, these doors in this church will never close as long as I'm alive. Okay? I'll pay for it myself. I shouldn't have to. See, that's the point here, the motivation. So now, next week we'll talk about the amount. And then there's a reward of that amount. Okay? Because you just can't cover this all in 50 minutes now because I'm in trouble. Okay? My point is, and this is the motivate Israel's motivate Old Testament law, fear. Fear of losing. You've got it all. There's no fear. Now there's just gratitude, appreciation, thanksgiving. Okay? Now don't go out of here thinking, well, Rick needs our money. No, you purpose in your heart where you're going to give and what you're going to do. Okay? By the way, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the amount was 100%. Be glad it's not that. Sell all and give it, bring it to the preacher. You can do that if you want, by the way. But, but then i got to build a shack for you out back so you can live in it. Okay? All right? Just think about this. Just adjust your thinking a little bit. Again, folks, the financially, the, we're, you know, I'm, we're, we're okay. Okay? We are. I mean, we're not great. We're not $7 million. <laughs> but we're good. My point is, is motivation. What is it? And then where am I going to give it? I need to give it to where my kids are going to be able to go learn and do. And I have to be, I have to be on board with that. I have to purpose that in my heart. And I have to adjust. And again, sacrifice. Because now I can't go to the ball game. I can't do this. I can't do that. Why? Because I purposed here. Because what lasts for eternity? Here. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your Son, for all the spiritual blessings, for the completeness, for the righteousness that we have in him. And Lord, I just pray that as we look into these details and, and consider them and say, see what your word has to say about them, that we would do so just with our, our open hearts and our hearts of faith. And to understand that what you're really after is our heart. And that our heart is to have joy in it, cheerfulness, and thanksgiving. In your name we pray.